the mission really is to bring birth back to our community. That's kind of really important for us. You know, like we, it's hard to, you know, don't be part of a community and then be kind of like taken away from it and then have to come back and like really connect. So that's kind of really important too. Hi, my name's Langley. And I'm Abby. And we are interns with Nature Up North. And we produced a podcast for our Naturally Speaking podcast playlist about the OMC. So in this episode, we interviewed Anastasia from the OMC, which is a midwife collective at a reservation about 20 miles north of St. Lawrence University. And I am in a class that does a community-based learning uh, project with them. Um, And so in this episode, we talk a little about that. Uh, We talk about the collective as a whole. And if you're interested, you should check out their Instagram and their website. They do some pretty cool stuff. Um, And we hope you learn a lot. Thank you for listening. Yeah, huge shout out to Anastasia for allowing us to interview her, um, and thanks for tuning in. So I guess we were just wondering like, if you could give us a little bit of a background on the OMC and um, all that you do um, for the community? Yeah, so we started in 2017. Um, Jasmine has been practicing midwifery since 2006, I believe. Um, So since then, she was kind of working throughout the North Country doing that. And then in 2017, we got funding from the Ministry of Health in Ontario to open the practice up. And then you know, kind of been running with that ever since. Um, yeah. So as for like, kind of like projects and stuff like that, you know, there's the standard midwifery care. Um, and then there's the, also the like more traditional and culturally infused, you know, care. Um, we provide prenatal services, um, postpartum rehabilitation, uh, our postpartum meals program. Um, it's kind of just all integrative of different services to help just promote you know the well-being of like the mother and the baby yeah can you talk a little bit more about the practice of midwifery just for people who aren't as familiar and also uh like the more traditional aspects of what it is you guys do yeah um in terms of like you know midwifery care is like basic standard you know um prenatal kind of appointments making sure that the baby's like healthy and stuff like that and making sure that the mother is like healthy enough to give birth like ours is more typically home birth I know a lot of midwives work within like hospitals as well but ours are typically you know like home births um so then we also provide you know like labor and delivery services so then the whole process behind that and then the postpartum program so you kind of like check on the well-being of the baby um and the mother as well and then also provide, you know, lactation support, um, the postpartum meals program so that, you know, like both the mother and the child have like good nutrition going forward. And yeah, it's pretty much, oh, and the postpartum rehabilitation. So that is also just rehabilitation of the diastasis recti. It's kind of like an opening in the abdominal muscles that kind of needs to be rectified. So um, yeah. 
That's cool. So you do it's pre and post delivery work with the um, mom and baby. Right. Yeah. And also depending on, you know, what happens during the prenatal, because sometimes our high risk clients have to be referred out to like, you know, have birth in a hospital. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if they're having a home birth, like that would be all part of the care that Jasmine provides. And I know um, you guys gave a presentation in my class that for me, it was really striking. Um, you talked about yeah. uh, like the hospital first of all, the difference between like hospital birthing and like the midwife practice that you guys do. Um, and do you think you can like expand upon that a little bit? Yeah. So it's kind of all about, you know, like having culturally competent care. And a lot of the time, like people don't want to have hospital births. Um, a lot of people around here, like have issues with hospitals, but it's kind of what we're noticing. And with that level of care, um, you know, like you kind of think like, oh, it's a hospital it should be able to provide the best care, but not, not necessarily always. And it's also not like culturally integrative. So sometimes people, you know, kind of get offended at the way that like hospitals or the doctors have treated them in that instance. So a lot of the time they want to go and have birth at home in a more comfortable environment. And it's also, you know, like what more, if you're going to be home, like the rest of, you know, like your life and everything, like it's kind of important to be born where you're living and where you're connected to. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and do you think that you can speak a bit more about um, how midwifery is like important and like the context of like your, like where you are? Yeah. So it, it is kind of important in the sense that, you know, like um, just kind of location wise, like we do have like separations between prenatal care like clinical prenatal care with a doctor or an OB and care in a hospital so like you would go you know you would start your initial appointments at like a clinic and then you would follow up with a family doctor and then they would transfer you to an OBGYN within the last four to five weeks of you know pregnancy Um, so there's kind of a disconnect there and then you know you would have the baby in the hospital with an OB which might not be the same OB as the one you've been speaking with it's all about who's you know there at the time and then you would follow up with another doctor who would be the original doctor you spoke with which is different than the one that was there for your birth and then after six weeks you would be you would go to either your family doctor or you would get a um, pediatrician hopefully but like the way our community works we don't really necessarily have pediatricians we um, it would be more like family care and like urgent care and you know, appointments to like a walk-in clinic type level of care. So it's a, there's a very big disconnect with that, but with midwifery care, it's about like the whole process. She's usually with you depending on, you know, like your choice of the hospital birth, but yeah, like the midwife would follow you through the whole course of care. Yeah. It sounds a lot more um, like connection based, um, yeah. like human based than like other forms of like, uh-huh. like hospitals or, or the different yeah. doctors. Yeah. Um, and and for the CPL, um, so part of what uh, just like for context, um, part of what my class is doing is you know we're working with the OMC, um, and we're uh, working on three separate projects within the group or within the project, um, which is for one we're planting a medicinal herb garden um, because um, as uh, Jasmine put it like 
it's harder to like grow herbs on your territory because of the contamination and the pollution um, in your territory. Um, and so that's part of it. Another part is doing like, I guess like social media and like more of like outreach work. And then the third is grant writing um, for your organization. Um, I'm in the group that's planning and planting the medicinal garden. Um, and I guess I was just wondering, and because I don't really know how this project came to be, like um, how did you like come to collaborate with um, this class and with Adam Har, the professor? Um, yeah, so Brenda Papineau, um, she's the coordinator of the CBL. She reached out a couple of years ago and we were kind of busy doing a bunch of other things. And then it would have been last spring that we initially like agreed to take the CBL class and we did have a class at the Adam. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the name of the course was. And then we went through and worked with those students and it was really, you know, we really liked it. So then we um, coordinated with two classes last fall and then this one again this spring, so. Yeah, um, what were the other mm -hmm. projects that you guys did? So we did a lot of grant writing for that um, other semester. Uh, we did an herb booklet and, oh my gosh, I think that was it. Yeah, an herb booklet and, oh, we actually had another um, project on um, finding midwives and photos of elder midwives in our community, if people had them. Um, it wasn't as successful as the other projects just because, you know, a lot of people don't have a lot of pictures of, you know, elder people prior to like 1950. So we didn't really have that much photos for that, but we did get a lot of good stories out of it from community members. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, cause I'm not working with the CBL, but just mm -hmm. for more background, if you don't mind me asking like, what kind of herbs and Abby might know as well, like um, you guys are planting or like what the use case is for and like how it's gonna, basically how the CBL is gonna help you guys out. Yeah, um, so I think there was a list of over 20 different herbs that we ended up using um, and they're used for, you know, a lot of different things. So some of them are like um, dandelion root, you know, elderberry, um, burdock, um, chicory, red raspberry leaves, slippery elm, things like that, which some of them help in pregnancy or um, some of them help like get the body ready for like birth and the whole postpartum period. So um, we do use a lot of those like traditionally for medicines and stuff. Some of them are used for like colds or heartburn and digestion things and they have to be like sometimes like the medicines that are given by doctors are not necessarily like easily um, ingestible in that way or, or easily taken by pregnant women. So sometimes like, you know, it's just topical treatments as opposed to like healing from the inside. So like these herbs would go and heal from the inside where, you know, like traditional pharmaceuticals wouldn't, it would be like kind of like a cover up after the fact. And then these would try to help fix the issue internally. So it's things like that. Um, and yeah. Um, oh, sorry. What was the second part of your question? Um, I guess, yeah, just how the, you kind of answered it in, in that, but how the CBL is going to like help out in the future, I guess, and how it's going to um, continue on maybe. Yeah. So 
I know that they're planning on planting the herb garden and that'll help us in general because a lot of the time, like we don't, all these things have to be, you know, kind of harvested like wildly. Um, and it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do around like the way our community set up. It'd be like, I guess it's equivalent to, um, you know, having like a garden in suburbia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really, that's kind of like how it's laid out, like our reservation. It's not necessarily as close as suburban houses would be, but the way our land base works, like there's quite a bit of the land base that's like swamp or unusable kind of land for growing. So it kind of limits the amount of like harvesting and planting and gardening that we would be doing. So a lot of it has to be wild harvested. So this would actually help us in getting those and having it easily and more readily accessible than having to go and wild harvest these, which might not necessarily all grow in the same areas. Yeah. Yeah, I know um, I've talked a bit with Sam, the director of the um, sustainability program, uh, which is Mm -hmm. involved um, with the CBL. And um, he's quite excited to make this like a generational thing to have like the garden be like continually maintained and to train Mm -hmm. um, students from each generation that lives on the farm to take care of it. Um, and working out the logistics of like how to get it delivered and how to get it harvested and stuff. So um, it's definitely yeah. a project I think is really cool and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to. Um, yeah. I don't know how much connection um, you have to either the social media or the grant writing groups. Um, do you have any like relationship with them? Um, I'm actually trying to just get them to, I think we're meeting tomorrow. So that's good. Um, I think it's like our first meeting that we're going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logistically, it's been, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, hectic. Um, but uh, what do you kind of envision for those two groups and like the, the larger impact they can have uh, on the organization? Yeah, well, as for the grants, like a lot of the stuff that we, the grants is kind of like an open um, ended thing. I had a conversation with them about that. Um, there's a lot of different areas that and programs that we can kind of fun that we don't necessarily have funding for right now or projects that we could carry on. I know we want to carry on our baby basket project. We did that and we think it was pretty successful. So we do want to carry that on. Um, we also want to build a birth center, uh, expand the postpartum rehabilitation and like prenatal fitness classes. Um, kind of like we do want to focus on getting funding so we can bring in other um, like contracted practitioners in like nutrition, um, natu- a naturopath, um, a physiotherapist, um, massage therapy, stuff like that. Um, so I think a lot of the grants would be expanding on those kind of programs. And that's for social media. I think like we kind of want to focus on communicating like how sustainability is important in you know birth and in the community and like healthy, active lifestyles and promoting that and doing it in a way that's kind of um, kind of appealing to people because I feel like a lot of time we're like losing people as soon as they see it they'll skip like all the posts that are like kind of you know like health related and like a lot people like our memes but <laughs> when it comes to like actual like health posts and informational stuff they kind of just like gloss over it so I feel like that's the case a lot of the time in social media yeah <laughs> yeah I know um we met as a class the other day and some people in the social media group um, talked about how, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was you or someone else in the OMC, how they mentioned an intention of theirs 
was to connect more with Akwesasne youth and like people in your community and like get them involved in the organization. Um, I wondered if you could speak to that at all. Yeah, that is really important to us too, because um, kind of like as it stands, like I, I know we had a conversation explaining kind of like how contamination is kind of like a big issue for us. And we don't, like there's a few people, there's a, a group of people that, you know, live longer lifespans and live well into their like 90s and hundreds. But then there's a lot of a group, there's a big gap between that and like people that are living to their 50s and their 60s. So we're kind of like moving out of that age range. And then we are growing as a community, but more in terms of like younger people. So I think kind of focusing on that too is like, because whenever our population is like kind of like dying in younger ages, it kind of shifts, you know, the, um, it shifts the, um, I can't even think of the word today. Oh my gosh. The like childbearing ages, like those and that kind of reproductive age, it kind of shifts that. And then, you know, like a, a majority of our clients are like not living past 60. That's kind of the tail end of like menopause era. And so then, you know, people kind of having, it shows that a lot of our care would be in that kind of age range. So, you know, kind of focusing on that and then focusing on like youth, because like, you know, a lot of youth are like in the kind of reproductive age and having them understand things that are more geared towards adults. So I think that's kind of really important for us. You know, people are having children younger. So like a lot of our clients are in the 18 to 30 range. So then kind of having social media kind of broadcast to them would be really important. Um, Especially since I guess like a a big vast majority of those people are using like Instagram and Snapchat more than Facebook. Then the older people are using Facebook. So it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, definitely like um, a media gap there. Like the tools that people use. Yeah. You mentioned um, like the pollution in your area and just like when I, when we met with you guys for the first time, you had this jaw dropping (laughs) presentation about just the, basically just about environmental racism and the relationship between um, like, like reservations and super fun sites that blew my mind. It was crazy. Um, And I just, I, if you could like talk about that, because I think it's really important um, to like, to contextualize this sort of thing. Yeah. So right now I think there is 573 federally recognized tribes and there's almost the same amount of super sites on reservation land. So that kind of averages out to roughly about one per reservation. But we actually have three. So that's kind of concerning for us. And that's just on the American side of our reservation because our reservation is kind of divided between the US and Canada. We have a bunch of pollution on the Canadian side as well. That's not exactly documented. The Canadian um, government doesn't have an EPA. So yeah. They have other programs, but they don't really focus on that. So um, it's kind of a problem for us. Um, And, you know, for like Native communities throughout all of America, really. I actually just saw a map the other day and it showed both the U.S. and Canada and it showed like reservation land is less than like 10% of all of those. And then that being said, most of the Superfund sites are on that already limited land base. So it's kind of concerning for us, um, just in terms of a lot of things. I know other reservations have other issues, you know, like with like pesticides and stuff. And 
you know, certain pesticides affect children. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like they're having a lot of issues with that or other reservations have um, different types of like poisoning from like mercury and cyanide poisoning. So it doesn't necessarily affect adults in limited amounts, but it's yeah. affecting like the fetuses and stuff like that. So it's kind of like really important for us, like we understanding things like that um, and how we can adapt to kind of mitigating those issues. Yeah, um, as a class, we just finished reading um, The Rivers in Us by Elizabeth Hoover, which is about, yeah, um, yeah the Akasazne community and and like the the super fun sites there and, and the contamination that happened. And the book focused a lot about how it, that affected midwifery in, in particular because the PCBs would go into the breast milk and of the mothers and that would be transferred into the infants. And so I, f- I feel like there's like a very strong correlation between like the work that you do and between like the, the, the contamination happening in the pollution. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. So that really is kind of like a big problem for us. So now we're noticing that like, so in the eighties and the seventies, we're seeing that two generations down. So those people that were alive in the nineties and then the early two thousands, those people are now having children and, or are in their reproductive age. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of problems that are like hormone and, um, estrogenic effects kind of problems. So, you know, like endometriosis is huge here. Um, thyroid issues, uh, PCOS is kind of a huge problem too. And so now we're seeing it, you know, two generations down from something that happened, you know, and started in the seventies. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, um, especially since I feel like as a student at St. Lawrence university, you know, uh, your reservation is like a 30 minute drive. And I feel like a lot of the students here don't even know (laughs) that the reservation exists or is that close or that any of this is happening, um, which I just feel like is such a weird disparity, like a disconnect. Um, And and I guess that um, one of my hopes for the project um, is that it spreads more awareness of just like the existence of this community and of this organization and um yeah I I just feel like that's important as like a student yeah definitely that's it does kind of yeah it kind of affects us in like weird ways I know whenever I um like attended college and stuff I people had no idea where I was talking about and I was like oh well I'm from here and they're like where is that and I'm like well we have a casino and they're like oh I've been there (laughs) And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you travel off, you know, like, like that main road, you know, there's a, a big community there. But yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of getting, you know, the awareness of the issues is kind of important for us. And yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, you know. People people know about the casino, but then they don't know that literally maybe like a quarter mile to the north of that. Like just there's like a back road behind the casino and then there's the river that we're talking about is being contaminated so it's kind of yeah yeah, yeah. I think that what Abby and I are kind of hoping to do with the with Nature Up North's platform is be able to highlight um, the community but also the OMC specifically and just so that we have a little bit more background and that we can um, speak to it um, if you don't mind talking about like 
your initial mission and like what that means for the community. And I was looking at your website earlier and like how um, you can qualify to work with the OMC if that's applicable for people. Yeah, um, so the mission really is to bring birth back to our community. That's kind of really important for us. You know, like we, it's hard to, you know, don't be part of a community and then be kind of like taken away from it and then have to come back and like really connect. So that's kind of really important to one other person. Um, so if you wanted to do all their support, like you could, you have to choose between, you know, your doula or your partner. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard for people to choose that right now. So then with home birth, at least, you know, they can actually have people, you know, around surrounding them that are like their family. The first people you get to see are your family. The first place you ever experience is your home. And that's really important for us. And it's also like really important is that we have like a welcome, welcoming speech that somebody in the family gives to the baby and then welcomes them to the community. And so that's really important for us. So part of that, and then also as time kind of went on, we realized like, you know, bringing birth back to the community also means advocating for our clients in other situations and just advocating for healthcare for native peoples yeah. in our community too. So it's kind of spiraled into that and yeah so as for like qualifications um we hire aboriginal midwives we do have a registered midwife as well who is also an aboriginal person um the difference between that being an aboriginal midwife can practice in ontario as long as they are recognized by their community as an aboriginal midwife they don't have to go through the same like registration process as um like a registered midwife would but they also only practice to the community, um, which is kind of in a way like better for us, you know, like it's people who are community aware and like understand how everything works within the community and understand like the culture of the people. So it really kind of like ties in the whole cultural competency kind of thing. And it also like, you know, ensures that person knows like traditional medicines and traditional things as well. So. Yeah. Um, you said that a part of your goal and one of like the difficulties um, in the organization is bringing birth back to the community. Like, did it ever, was this practice ever like discontinued or did it ever leave? Well, yeah. So it, roughly in the 19, about like the 1930s and 40s and areas like that forward, a lot of birth had to happen in hospitals. Like midwifery care wasn't necessarily an option for people. So people would go and have to go to outside area hospitals, which could be anywhere from a 20 minute drive away to like an hour away, depending on the level of care needed. So it's just like disconnecting people from where they're normally from and bringing them onto outside places. And then, yeah. So then with the work that Jasmine's doing, it's bringing birth back to the community so that people can be born within the community yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah it's really cool mm -hmm. and just to understand a little bit more um about the um like medical system in the U.S. there's no recognition um of native women within um the hospital like they they don't provide any resources is that's correct right um so on the state side, you would need to be like a certified nurse midwife or 
a um, certified midwife through, uh, there's a couple actually different gov governing bodies, but no, they don't have um, like a statute the same way that Ontario does or the same way Quebec does. We are kind of working on that right now. We're in the process of getting that done. We had a bill that was written and we were, um, had like indigenous midwifery attached to that bill for the, um, I think it was the New York state legislature, but so what ended up happening to make sure that it actually went through and like was approved for everybody else, they had to take off the indigenous people component of it. So then they told us to write a separate bill. And yeah, it was kind of disheartening. Like we understand why they did it, you know, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's kind of restarting that process and it's not really, it doesn't make it right. none of us are really legislators or assembly people so we're just sitting here like okay yeah yeah do you have any more questions David? i don't think so I, this is this is really great for me especially because i had i had never connected um with you before or the group at all so i feel like i was able to learn a lot and just really grateful for you to take the time to talk to us today yeah it's no problem at all yeah i know i was really appreciative of you taking out time so um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you again to Anastasia for taking the time to talk about the OMC and share your knowledge. Thank you everyone who tuned in. We hope you learned a lot. We sure did. Be sure to follow the Ungwe Hunwe Midwives Collective on Facebook and Instagram to support their mission. While you're over there, give Nature of North a follow too if you haven't already. Get up and get outdoors with Nature of North.